Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Yes, another live event, and one that ties in with the last episode. Also, with the next episode. Uh, We are, inadvertently, kind of in the middle of a trilogy, or if not a trilogy, something of a triptych. Uh, all about European conceptions of the New World. And this episode, this episode is from a talk I did at the Steep and Thorny Way to Heaven, which is an art space in Portland, Oregon. It is maybe the single coolest art space in Portland, Oregon, which is a pretty nifty city, though I'm biased being from here. But this talk was part of a larger fundraiser night. Uh, a local theater company was raising funds for their production of The Tempest uh, in the second part of September, and there were performers and dancers and people who do actually good art, and then there was also me talking about The Tempest and what it has to do with the new world. So enjoy. Oh, and there's a cameo in this episode from a train that couldn't really be edited out. So you'll hear it when it comes. Anyways, enjoy. (laughs) All right, I'm going to infect this wonderful art space with a bunch of terrible and horrible facts. I'm sorry about that. Uh, By the way, my notes are on my phone. Um, I'm not, like, looking at Twitter. Um, Yeah, so The Tempest, which we are here to uh, support tonight, it is a fantasy. It is a romance. It is Shakespeare's play that's not, you know, based on kind of prior stories or pieces of history, but there is a reading of, temp- of The Tempest that's out there that you might be familiar with that says, really, it is all about America, and it's all about colonization, and it's all about Europeans' early relationships with the New World. Now, I have three things I'm going to go over where I'm going to say that The Tempest kind of sort of is about that, but it doesn't have to be. Like, it's not a one-to-one thing. I think it's kind of like, um, you know, Jacobian Law and Order, ripped from the headlines, but it's <laughs> vague. So, one. Uh, in the Tempest itself, there are textual references to all sorts of things in the Americas, both in the most northern-northern parts, both the most, like, southern-southern parts, and also in the middle. Um, for example, uh, Caliban's creepy mom, Uh, (laughs) The best Shakespeare character that doesn't actually show up on stage uh, worships a deity called Setebos, that apparently Prospero is so powerful he can vanquish and deal with and all that. And Setebos was an actual South American deity. Or, it is how Europeans recorded the name of an actual South American deity when they encountered people in what is now modern-day Argentina. And Shakespeare works that into his, you know, drama, romance situation. Also, there are parallels in the text of The Tempest um, that kind of echo accounts of Magellan's expedition. Uh, There's an essay called The Tempest in the New World by Shakespeare scholar Charles Frey, and it points out that one of Gonzalo's descriptions of the island parallels a real-life account of Magellan's uh, Argentine expedition. So, this is what Gonzalo says. He says, In Naples, if I should report this now, would they believe me? If I should say I saw such islanders, for certs they are people of the island, 
who though they are of monstrous shape, yet note their manners are more gentle kind than of our human generation, you shall find many, nay, almost any. And this is from an account of Drake's voyage in Argentina. Herewith the general, Drake, uh, with some of his company, went on shore where the giant men in... Oh, by the way, Europeans used to think that people in Argentina were gigantic. This was a whole thing. Um, that the giant men and women with their children repaired them, showing themselves not only harmless, but also most ready to do us any good and pleasure. Yea, they showed us more kindness than many Christians would have done. So, those two passages are extraordinarily similar. Now, does this mean that Shakespeare was out there reading accounts of Drake's voyages and saying that, hey, I should put that into a play? Not necessarily. This isn't a smoking gun. We can't prove that, but I like to believe he was, and I like to believe that he was sort of an intellectual magpie, reading things and picking stuff up and putting them in his fiction and making like a, you know, Paul's Boutique remix out of like all the stuff he found. <laughs> By the way, the Telhueche people in Patagonia were indeed very big, but they were like six feet tall, and that got exaggerated. You saw like giants on old maps of Patagonias. Uh, they were big, but it was not a fee-fi-fo-fum situation. <laughs> so, you have that reference, uh, that coming from uh, South America, and you also have in the Tempest reference to Bermuda, but it's just kind of thrown in there. Uh, two, another thing, linking the Tempest to the New World, and this is where it's going to get uncomfortable and, like, you know, squirmy. Let's talk about Caliban. Uh, Caliban, he can be a lot of things. He can be just a, you know, kind of beast person, a werewolf guy. Uh, a fish monster is really common, like an unsexy shape of water guy. He can be sort of like an ape. But there's also a lot of people who see Caliban and interpret him as a Native American, or some kind of reference of the New World. Uh, that's in part because of his name. Uh, there was a famous essay called By Montaigne, called On Cannibals, which talked about people's sort of provincial lifestyle, in, or pastoral lifestyle, excuse me, in the New World, and talking about how, hey, there's some stuff that we Europeans think is messed up, but maybe these folks are onto something. And when he spelled cannibal, he spelled it with just N, one N, Caliban is an anagram of that. Is that on purpose? I don't know, but if you've never thought about that before, I just blew your mind a little. <laughs> but one of the things that links Caliban to Native Americans in the text of The Tempest is that some of the characters want to... Some of the characters want to treat him like one. So in Act Two, to see, uh, in Act Two, Trunculo sees Caliban unconscious, and he says, "What have we here? A man or a fish? Dead or alive? A fish. He smells like a fish. A very ancient and fish-like smell. A kind of not of the newest. Poor John. A strange fish. Were I in, were I in England now, as I once was, and had but this fish painted, not a holiday fool there would, but would, but would give a sil piece of silver. Excuse me." There would this monster make a man, as in make a man, like make him a lot of money. Uh, any strange beast there makes a man. When they will not give a doit to relieve a lame beggar, they will lay out ten to see a dead Indian. Now, that actually happened. 
uh, Shakespeare is not just making stuff up, he is referring to people brought back by Martin Frobisher, an English explorer who went up to the north, like I said, this would cover like the northernest north of the Americas, most southern and south parts, and he was looking for the Northwest Passage. He didn't find it, but he found people. He found Inuits. It was the first encounter between Europeans and Inuits. It went badly. Martin Frobisher and his guys, by the way, Frobisher, he was also a terrible boss, abandoned several of his dudes in the Arctic, brought back a few Inuits. They had uh, three of them, include two adults and one child. None of them survived the journey. Um, there's a child in here, this is really grisly. Because one of them decided that rather than being captured, he would bite his tongue in half and, and bleed out. I'm sorry, that was gross. And he said, well, we don't actually have like living people to exhibit, but you know what? They'll make two bits of gander for the dead ones. So, when you're thinking about Caliban as a Native American, does he have to be? No, he could just be a fish. But I do think it's important to say that in the text of The Tempest, they are engaging with and looking at Caliban and you know, thinking about treating him in the one way that lots of English people would have engaged with Native Americans at that time. So there is that, which is uncomfortable. Still love The Tempest. <laughs> uh, then three, and this is like the last most vague and maybe most important part. The Tempest really reflects the kind of ambivalence and ambiguity that lots of people in Shakespeare's audience and acting company and maybe even he himself would have had about going to or living in the New World. Um, it's hard to overstate how big of just like a mind-blowing thing the encounter with uh, the Americas was for a lot of Europeans. It presented a theological problem for them. Like, if you believe in Noah's Flood, how could there be people there in this place and accessible by land? It was a whole thing. And there was a possibility that this could be some kind of, like, pure land, some kind of utopia, either because it already was and you could live with the people there, or because you could go and have your kind of own new situation. Um, there's, like, debate among scholars about whether Thomas More's utopia is about the new world. It's probably not. But anyway, in The Tempest... Gonzalo and Sebastian talk about this sort of ambivalence about the New World. Gonzalo says, In the Commonwealth I would, by contraries, execute all things, for no kind of traffic would I admit. No, uh, no name of magistrate, letters should not be known. Riches, poverty, and use of service, none. Contract succession, born bound of lead, uh, land, tilth, vineyard, none. No use of metal, corn, or wine, or oil. No occupation. All men idle. All and women too, but innocent and pure. No sovereignty. And then so Sebastian comes back with a sick burn, and he says, yet he would be king of it. <laughs> and that presents a kind of tension and idealism and cynicism that probably a lot of Shakespeare's audience would have had at the time. It was the early 1600s. England had already sent out two different colonies. It was Roanoke, which went away and just kind of disappeared um, because of werewolves. Um, thank you if anyone actually appreciated that. And then it was Jamestown, which at that point were already having conflict and trouble with the local Native American populations. And despite knowing that, despite knowing that people were disappearing into the wilderness, despite knowing that there was plague, disease, starvation, and violence, People still signed up to go. 
like I recently read a book about the Roanoke colony and the author, he went out of his way to say, it was not actually hard to get people on the boats and go out to colonies. And they all knew that like it was probably something that like would kill you in a really interesting, exotic way far from home. And people were still up for it. And I think The Tempest really embodies the, you know, that kind of interesting tension in that exchange between Gonzalo and Sebastian. We can make a new world. And let's be a little cynical about it. But it's still alluring anyways. So I don't want to glorify colonialism. I don't want to glorify the British Empire or imperialism or the rest of it. But think about The Tempest. Think about being in a wooden theater in, say, 1611 or 1612. Think about watching this play about some kind of unknown place that you could just happen upon it. Happen upon and think about the possibility that you yourself, a simple barrel maker or miller or some other working class English person, could just get on a boat and take part of part in it. And am I saying the Tempest actually inspired people to get on boats and go to the New World? No. But I would like to believe that that happened maybe at least once, and maybe, hopefully, it actually worked out for somebody. Thank you very much. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed that. Our next episode is going to be about the Roanoke Colony. So you heard some references to that here. And next time, we are going to get into one of America's founding mysteries. And, oh my God, that episode has gotten a bit long. So look for that. Also, if you are in Portland in the latter part of September, go see The Tempest at the Steep and Thorny Way to Heaven. It is a production of Speculative Drama, an excellent Portland theater company. Uh, as always, go on to Apple Podcast. Give this show ratings and reviews and such. Stars, kind words, that kind of thing. Follow me on social media at Joe Streckert, J-O-E-S-T-R-E-C-K-E-R-T on Twitter. And the podcast is on Facebook at facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. Thank you all for listening, and get ready for a whole lot about Roanoke really soon. Bye. (laughs) 